Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. It's time for our most listened to segment, Politics This Week, with Justin Katz, managing editor, Rising.com. Justin, there's a lot of different facets to this Washington Bridge situation. It was just a week ago, you and I were talking, and I was mentioning how I broke the story over the weekend, that one of the things they were looking at was full demolition. It was uh, a remarkable week how the story kept evolving, and Governor McKee made some, um, and, and his director, some high-profile appearances. And now, as we're starting you know, yet another week, um, it's taken on even more of a turn. I want to start off with just your thoughts, reaction to the fact that, and even just the way they handled it, I don't think it bodes well, which is the McKee administration made it public that now the feds are, in fact, opening investigation to look into the way some of the funds were used. 80% of the bridge work, apparently, is federal government money, and and that they, um, they're examining and looking into it, perhaps, that that they were billed for work that wasn't done. I think it starts a whole new chapter for Governor McKee, his administration. This is the second FBI probe he's going to be under. Uh, but let's just start off your thoughts on the fact that the feds are looking into this now. Well, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a passable uh, summary of the state's business model, the billing yeah. people for work that isn't actually done. Uh, I mean, even when it's done, it's not done well. I mean, you can see that in the fact that the bridge is, is, having trouble right even even if the, if the work was done it wasn't done sufficiently so i mean i don't i we don't at least i don't know the details that they're digging into but it really does it goes to show the whole the whole process of of, of government in rhode island and how how they operate you know it's it, you could uh, you can almost feel the sense you know when when mckee touts how oh, we're we're declaring a state of emergency to get more federal money you know i or we're we're trying to figure out things we can spend our our COVID money on before the right. before it runs out. They they really don't view they don't view problems as okay. We have to fix these bridges and roads. How do we go about finding money to do it? Let's get let's get some federal money, and then we could, that'll help us do it. No, they they look at it as a revenue stream. All right, how yeah. do we get federal money? That's the first key. We get the federal money, we slush that's it around, we do as little yeah. as we possibly can. And I think that's that's the the attitude. Maybe they're finally getting kind of caught up on it. I think um, you, you know what's interesting about this, Justin. You raise a really good point. Is you know he he was signaling like we love taking the COVID money and we'll keep taking as long as they're going to send it and. And you're exactly right. It, it's I think it almost sets up an atmosphere that it's it's almost like monopoly money. You know, it's, it's like you're there for the taking. Um, let, let's go back to and there's another development that that I also want to mention, Justin. This is just happening. And that is the fact that now the governor has announced he's sending Joe Allman, former police lieutenant, his deputy chief of staff. He's going over to DOT. I'm curious any thoughts you have on how the relationship with Director Peter Alvidi, who's been very, very visible in the past, but just ha- let's let's look back at last week. How do you think the communication was with the two of them, Governor McKee and, and Director Alvidi? Well, they, they seem to be doing it separately, and I but I could see a, a, a big clash there. I mean, you've got, I mean, the governor, if if he's looking to to bolster DOT with communications, it wasn't DOT that went out and was chiding Rhode Islanders for being upset about an extra 10 or 15 minutes of travel time. I mean, that, that's right. That, so the governor goes out there and says, oh, you're not really traveling that much more. It's not so bad. You got to calculate it on what you were doing before. He's, it's like he's arguing with the people of Rhode Island, right? Oh, no, don't worry about it. I know, I know it's our fault. The bridge is falling down, but hey, come on. What's 10, 15 minutes? It's no problem, which first of all is a lie. And second of all, part of the problem is it's so unpredictable. Some nights it's no problem at all. Some nights it's an extra hour, but that's, so that's, that attitude shows the governor cannot communicate. Meanwhile, you've got Alvidi out there um, on Channel Twelve. You'd think you'd think there were no problems at all, right? Oh well, it's a complicated bridge. You know, sometimes you miss things in inspections because you're looking at something else. You're not looking at the tie rods. You're looking at I don't know the pot, the uh, piers that go into the water. You know, you just miss stuff. And we solved the money problem. We fixed hundreds of bridges. Well, then why is the bridge? in danger of falling down and nobody's challenging him on that. So I think, you know, moving communications people around is not going to help because the, they don't understand the problem and nobody's really pushing them on the core core issues that, that contribute to this, which is that our cost structure for infrastructure is 
is completely off. And so the whole process has become one of trying to find money to, to throw at it uh, because that's what their special interests want. And I think un until we start communicating about those issues, we'll get the same kind of kind of incompetent communication the same way we have incompetent bridge uh, maintenance. You know, it's interesting, uh, Justin, again, folks, our segment is politics this week. I go back to he, he to me, he clearly knew when he was delivering his state of the state. He, he knew that this potential for the full demolition was hanging out there and he chose not to say anything. If I had not put that out there and then the mayor of East Providence opened his mouth and confirmed it, I don't think they had any intention of, of telling people. But what did you make of the back and forth between Governor McKee, start with that one, and him on Channel 10 with, with Dan Janik? Because I think last week really signaled that the media is going to really raise the level of how they're going to challenge the governor. On a, I mean, to me, he, he went on Channel 10. He was using old talking points, a month old, of, well, back in July, blah, 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 public safety. He wasn't prepared for the fact that it doesn't make sense, Justin, to anyone. Like, how could this have passed inspection back in July? Right. And he, he wasn't answering that question. He kept avoiding yeah. it, talk, doing just doggedly. And I think that that speaks to the, the problem we have with, with this governor in particular is you don't get answers. And I think but I think this is more pervasive. And I think it's something that the news media has allowed to 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 kind of fester in the past few decades is this. We're just playing a political conversation game here. There's no candor, you know. You so what was it? The the F the announcement of the FBI probe was held onto for something like seven hours before the governor announced it. That kind of yes. stuff. It's like they're they're not out there informing the public. They everything is everything just feels like a cover up. Which even if it's even if it weren't, even as if it's not, it just feels like eh, we're not going to tell you we might replace the whole bridge. That ought to have been that should have been out there. That should have been just like a daily kind of press conference thing. I just got to tell you all we're looking at this. We don't know what the situation is. That's what government should be doing. And it's it's not what they're doing. And so I think the, the media is getting a little bit frustrated because people are actually frustrated. And so they're hearing it. And the journalists still consider themselves to some extent, uh, you know, voices of the people. Uh, but I, I think there's so much more that, that could be demanded, could be asked. And I think it's largely this history, this, this, this tendency to make everything seem like just, we'll tell you what you need to know because, Hey, governor McKee, he's the coach of the, of the state. That's and so, right. and so we, we don't tell every player, every strategy and team. So you guys just hang on, trust us because you know, we're so trustworthy and uh, the ethics commission says so. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll tell you what you need to know. Meanwhile, go about your life, deal with your 10 or 15 minute extra drive time across a, a very short bridge and and you know keep sending us your tax dollars and that's that's kind of the attitude and honestly it, this situation is extreme enough that it's starting to you get a little bit of a feel of how how interviews could go but i i don't see any sign that we're actually we're actually getting experiencing a change of, of how people handle uh information in rhode island folks quick break much more ahead politics this week justin katz Managing editor at anchorising.com right here on the John DePietro Show. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge, especially this time of year. So much going on. They always have a nice crowd right there. Full bar, large dining area right there in the lounge easy to get to whether it's lunch or dinner a great meal is waiting for you at the lodge pub and eatery think of this since 1994 that's right celebrating the big anniversary this year i'll see you at the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln our segment is politics this week with us is justin katz managing editor anchorising.com Justin, I want to I want to stay on this because I, I think it's just so interesting that th this is really difficult. I we had been saying I didn't think he was up for the job. I don't think Governor McKee has surrounded himself with the best people. I don't think he has the right temperament. He, he's already been the governor for a while. It's, it's hard to even imagine that he's still going to be governor sure. all through this year, all next year and all through 26. But I think it also it does kind of a backlight of. To me, it shows the contrast where 
like at the state house, they, you know, the general assembly and they're meeting with all these different hearings and everyone's running around and, and state government is too large. And none of that matters. You have people that can't get from point A to point B in a timely manner, how the roads are falling apart. Like, I just think the whole facade is crumbling down. Like, what does it matter? All these committees and offices and appointments and they can have hearings and as far as just other, quote, day-to-day, they're not delivering basic services for the citizens. Right. Well, exactly. And I think what we're seeing, and it, it's felt in the past year, certainly, under under McKee, it, it's it's felt like the, the state finally just kind of sold its soul completely to the unions. Yes. And I, I think a big part of a big part of that feeling also is, is frankly, the, the news media during, and we, we've discussed multiple, multiple yep. times, the during the Trump era, they just gave themselves permission. We're just not going to pay attention to opposition. We're, we're, we're all on the same team. And I think that's the real problem here is it, everybody's on the same team. I think it was Kathy Gregg brought up from the Province Journal brought up on, on Twitter that, you know, there was, there was a big contrast in the 90s with, with Bridge uh, funding and contractor funding uh, when you had a Republican governor and a Democrat oversight in the legislature. That's what, and an, uh, the auditor, that's when you get, when there's political incentive, but for, for different political teams, it gains some advantage. And so they investigate each other and make a big deal of it. That's kind of how the system's supposed to work. But at this point, everybody's on the same team, right? You've got the, the labor unions running thing. They bought the governor. He's on their team. The, the Democrats in the legislature aren't going to say anything. They're all part of the same party here. They all they all need to work together to do that ballot harvesting so they can stay in power. And then, then the news media is right in there too because they're largely in agreement. They don't talk to people who disagree very, uh, very much, certainly not like they did 10, 15 years ago. I mean, when you, when you broke the story about about the bridge potentially needing to be redone. It was. It wasn't. You know, wow. A journalist in Rhode Island has broken a story. It was. Oh, these rumors. We're gonna. We're the the mayor is dispelling the rumors. You know, that was the headline. And so yeah. I think you've got everybody on the same team, and you don't get the oversight you need, and you don't. It's just the game to cover things up. And so, in some ways, it's it's kind of a blessing that we've got such a bumbling, uh, bumbling leader as McKee kind of out there exposing it all by his his inadequacies and communications but um i think it's it's going to take a lot more to fix the problem and none of them none of them are talking about well why for example uh alvidi on channel 12 saying well it's a complicated bridge inspectors can miss things well, if it's that complicated, why are there not inspectors crawling all over the thing every week? You know, well, we know the answer because inspectors are, are expensive. You know, they're out there parked on a job, right? They're they're out there, which was a controversy some years ago. They're out there sitting in their car, you know, collecting money to read a, a dime store novel. That's what they're doing. It's too expensive. The the benefits are too good. You put out a construction crew. You got eight people watching one person work for weeks on end. It's too expensive. But we're, we're not talking about that because everybody's on the same team. And there's there's no solution until that is solved. And they don't want to solve it. Folks, again, our segment is politics this week. With us is Justin Katz. Justin, um, talk to me about Peter Alvidi. Peter, you know, certainly he started going down the dial with uh, Beyond with Gene and asked to do tea and and, and very uh, where, where I think this gets difficult is he certainly he was the most visible of the Raimondo administration. She appointed him. They started Roadworks. Uh, by the way, the feds are even looking at the paperwork when she was in office. And even actually, it starts when Chafee was still in office. But but I, I think this they're about to find out one of the difficulties. If you have someone who's readily available and talking to the media and answers a phone call and going on different shows and blah, blah, blah. Suddenly now, I mean, what do you think? I I think Governor McKee is, I think, we're going to find out this week, but I think he's basically, I think he's going to shut that down and basically tell him that, that that would be my guess, that he doesn't want him doing, he doesn't want him so accessible and available. I'm not saying that that's a good thing, but I get the impression that the governor kind of wants to shut that down a little bit. Maybe we'll see. I mean, I I have a feeling he ought to be self conscious enough, Governor McKee, about his appearances. You know, every now and then it flares up when he speaks his mind and he gets himself in trouble and shows his real yeah. character. So I could see him being kind of relieved. Like, at least Alvidi's out there taking care of this, and I don't have to go That's on and true. talk about it. And so I think it's going to depend on Alvidi. I mean, one of the things I I really have felt about his his responses is. 
they're not answering anything, right? They're not, they're not conveying, here is the actual problem, here's how we're gonna solve it, like the thing with the inspectors. We, we don't have enough inspectors, this is what we're doing to, to solve that problem. Instead, it's, you know, as I said earlier, we're, we, we've fixed hundreds of bridges around the state. We've got plenty of money, we solved that problem with roadworks, and these bridges are complicated, we're doing the best we can, as long as that's his line. I mean, why, why not? Go on every show and say, give the same baloney to, to the Rhode Islanders. If he starts answering questions, that's when it'll be, that's when it'll be a problem. And I think, I, I mean, I go back to when Raimondo was in office. Before that, you could call up uh, department heads and so on throughout Rhode Island government and get actual answers to substantive questions. And then she shut that down and everything had to go through communications team. And it hasn't been the same since. And I think as long as Alvedi doesn't go back to giving actual substantive answers and keeps keeps kind of just blowing smoke at the media, and as long as they continue to accept it, I don't know why, why McKee would, would rein that in. Just because, number one, you're exactly right. Peter's very skilled. He's he's done a lot of media. Uh, he's doing a, a weekly show and so forth. But And then when they did shut down the bridge, Governor McKee sent him out alone to deal with the media. And even at the impromptu press conference last week, uh, Governor McKee basically stood up and said, you know, here's Peter Alvini. But I just think now when you get into investigation and now when they start to ask, and the media could, specific questions – things that could get involved with some of these contractors, with this Cardi Corporation, with the investigation I've seen in the past. I mean, we'll see, but I, in the past, they've kind of shut down. We don't want to talk about that because of, quote, the ongoing investigation. Um, but Justin, here's the thing. I, do you see, can Governor McKee still govern with this hanging out there? I mean, now when you step back, um, you know, the soccer stadium and education hasn't made any improvements by the way traffic is now spilling over and traffic's like a problem on 95 it's it's a problem everywhere but do you see or what's your thought on his ability to be able to handle this when it's it's just such a focal point and should be on this federal investigation now on the washington bridge (laughs) well I, I don't. Th- it's almost like you know when uh, think of some slapstick comedian or Mr. Bean or something walking through a, a minefield of, of problems. I mean, it's, it's sort of like that. You know, he's just bumbling along, and he was doing that when there were no problems. So right. you know, I, I don't think he was able to govern before. If if everything were going swimmingly, I think he'd be doing a bad job. So I. Uh, I don't know. It's it's almost it reminds me of what people called during the Obama years a dense pack strategy, where just everything is so horrible you don't even notice the last thing because you're so busy worrying about the next thing. So, we'll, I mean, we'll see. This is this is a major impediment to a lot of people, and there's no sign of it improving. So, I I mean, frankly, I think the the most likely outcome is people start saying, you know what, I'm changing my life. <laughs> either either I'm not commuting into the city, or I'm, I'm moving out to another state, or, or whatever. So, I I don't know. I I don't have any trust in in McKee, but I don't. I don't think anybody else does either. And I don't think anybody has right. any trust in the entire state government. And so they'll, they'll start making, making other arrangements. It's sort of like every time the power goes out, you hear another dozen generators out there because people or every time, you know, COVID comes up, you get more private school students. I mean, that's, that's what Rhode Islanders increasingly are just yes. saying, you know what, I'm just going to take care of it. And if they can't and it's too expensive or whatever, they just leave. And I think that's, we're going to see more and more of that. And, and that's a huge, that's a huge problem, but throughout it all, it won't, the only thing that'll put pressure on the governor and the state government, the legislature to change things is if important people start saying, you know what, you need to fix this. But that's not going to happen because the only important people to those politicians are, are the special interests like the labor unions. And they're saying, hey, whatever, just keep the money coming, pal. And that, so that's I mean, I, I'm not confident we're going to see much better uh, governance, but I, I don't know that we'll see really much of a political backlash either. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, AnchorRising.com, right here on The John DePietro Show. Do you need a good plumber? I found the best plumber, JMB Plumbing. Call them today, all your plumbing needs, 401 743 9153. JMB Plumbing. They've been providing plumbing services for years. Skilled professionals stand behind their work, guarantee you will be happy. Maybe it's repairing damaged water pipes, repair clogged pipelines, maybe replace a a water heater, as well as all your plumbing needs. Call them now 
It's JMB Plumbing, 401 743 9153. Nothing throws off your life or your home or your business. When you need plumbing service, you need someone reliable, someone who's professional, someone who'll handle the job and do it right. It's JMB Plumbing. Call them today, 401 743 9153. JMB Plumbing. And look for them on Facebook. Our segment is Politics This Week. With us is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Justin, what do you make of, uh, I sent to you, Channel 12 now. I just noticed this this morning. They have a new graphic they're using, Bridge Breakdown, Day 49 since emergency closure on December 11th, 2023. To me, that's reminiscent of, you know, day number whatever that the hostages were taking. It certainly, it got my attention. Uh, I don't know if they've been doing this all along. I don't think they have. I don't really watch them in the morning. I was looking at a segment and it popped up. But what do you uh, make of uh, a Channel 12 using this as a graphic? Well, you know, it's it, it got your attention. So I guess it, it worked yeah. to some degree. It's it, my my impression is it's going to it's going to get boring before it gets uh, it gets useful. Right. I mean, this is you're talking years before this is repaired this is this yeah. is done so that's going to be a long time day 733 you know that at that point it becomes a little bit less less impactful and i think something else will come along and, and add to the clock another it, you know it's 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 sort of like a but like a store sign you know, 10 days since our last catastrophe that might be a better a better graphic is if they could could find some way to start telling how long it's been since some some outrage happened uh, but i think you know it, those sorts of sorts of use of numbers and uh, to convey a message it's 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 helpful to people to be reminded this is a problem it's a continuing problem don't let it fade away uh and uh, but i think it, it it will because it'll just become commonplace or something else will replace it so day number two since the governor was put on placed under fbi investigation again you know? so i think you need a r- running tally of days since the previous controversy yeah, I view it as this is a total dig at Governor McKee. And he's, you know, there's bad blood with him in Channel 12. He won't go on Newsmakers. He won't sit down with uh, Ted Nisi and, and Tim White. So uh, if you're the McKee people, you certainly don't like this. When I first looked at it, I thought 49 days. Has it really been 49 days? <laughs> but actually, it has been 49 days. So I view this as they're just kind of up in the, the war, so to speak, and going against him. Now, Justin, meanwhile, in East Providence, you have the East Providence City Council saying, you know, we need to declare an emergency declaration. But you have noticed it's coming from the city council, not the mayor, who's a close ally, Mayor De Silva. He was being considered for lieutenant governor. I've heard he wants to run for lieutenant governor. He he was instrumental in getting Governor McKee. He did beat Helena folks in um, in as far as the primary in East Providence. I think the infighting that we're about to see start to happen in East Providence. I think that's something to see that they're notice like you don't have the mayor saying that it's the city council that's saying it. Well, yeah, I mean, East Providence not that long ago was, was the site of a lot of good kind of reform from the right. Yes. You know, there was a lot of, uh, it, there was some, some pushback against the kind of Democrat insider uh, machine. And so there, there's got to be at least some residual of, of that. But I, what I love about this is we, we need to declare an emergency. It's, you know, we're not talking about a pandemic. We're not talking about a natural catastrophe. We're talking about an emergency caused by incompetent government. And I, so, that, I mean, that's the message that really resonated with me. And I think right. there's a lot of room to, to, to run with that. And I think we're, we're often trying to think of messaging that the Rhode Island Republicans could pick up to run with. I think that's a pretty good one. We've got our, we've got our emergency emergency the emergency is government and i think that's that's real a real issue and you know i've gone through you tried to get over the bridge and, and google sends me through east providence and there's all traffic they've shut down back roads people's lives are being disrupted and so i think especially in that area there's a lot of currency for that for that point and so i think uh whatever whatever conflict there is and i think it's a good example of what we were talking about earlier is if you have republican or at least different factions in in city government sometimes it's not partisan but that's that's what generates real action because there's somebody to take advantage of that and we really don't have that at the state level but it's good to see there's some of it still surviving uh, in east providence you mentioned a really good point and that is i i don't think the republican party of the state is doing enough because i think this is it should be full court press they should be in east providence trying to have republicans take over the council you just go with an anti-McKean message. 
It's Democrats that got you in this mess. It's Republican that's cleaned it up. I don't understand what they're waiting for. Uh, but it, it also, Justin, you're exactly right. The fact that they're calling for an emergency declaration, that, that's used in terms of, you know, if there's a tornado, if there is a hurricane. This is self-inflicted incompetence. That's, that's not an emergency declaration. This isn't an earthquake. This is just sheer incompetence up and down. I think the Republican Party should really go on the offensive and try to convert some of the people in the East Bay that's been very blue and try to get them uh, at least independent or or maybe consider running as a Republican. Now, Justin, speaking of now, Peter Albini took over RIPTA. RIPTA now will be canceling routes and reducing services due to a driver shortage. What is your thought on that? Well, I think the the driver shortage uh, is, is kind of in, instructive because – People don't want to work, so you have to raise the prices. I mean, it's it's right. just kind of the way way economics works. But I think they're so they're caught uh, in that they can't increase the prices because all of our that's those sorts of services are are very uh, very expensive. So I, I I'm not sure what they do. I think we're, we're we're getting into another area of sort of a topical third rail in Rhode Island where you're not allowed to you can't reduce services because then that special interest will will squawk you can't you can't squeeze on prices because well for the labor unions will squawk but then you can't find drivers so I I think it's kind of a uh, we're, we're seeing kind of a broader example of the the, the ferry was a good was a good narrow example yes. of that rather you know where it's you, you can't just fund services that that can't fund themselves uh, and so I I think we really ought to take RIPTA as a, a, a reason to step back for a broader look. I mean, you, we need, you're sure raising wages would be one way to attract labor, but another way to do that is to reduce costs of living and make it, make it easier to, to, to live and work here. And I think those are, all these problems are starting to build up and kind of expose how, how unimaginative and how poorly run our system is. I mean, if you look at, I, I had a reason some months ago to look into RIPTA and, and read some of their surveys of, of, passengers and there there are buses that are full okay increase the size of those buses and those passengers didn't much care about time so you could increase the stops that sort of thinking you've got a lot of people using it uh small shuttles from the park and rides well okay get smaller buses increase the luxury and increase the price that and then you can use that to subsidize the other runs that don't aren't as well funded those that sort of they may be thinking about this sort of stuff but i really don't think they are because i don't think they the state government thinks in these terms and in you know it's a kind of a cliche to say they need to behave like a business and usually that's meant you know trimming your belt and all that but part of it also is being innovative and i don't i don't know that we're able to do that because it's the moment you start talking about that you get all the the craziness and the news media jumps in well you're you're trimming these these certain low-income routes well yeah you know nobody's using them we can't afford it or you're making too many people ride on the buses in the urban area well there are a lot of people that want to get around there you know that kind of thing meanwhile you've got luxury shuttles out into the suburbs well people were paying for that you you can't even have those conversations in rhode island because it all becomes this this culture warrior thing and then you throw in the labor unions where every bus driver has to have the same pay the same contract i mean i don't know maybe you can pay the park and ride people driving a van less than you pay somebody driving a giant bus going through the city but you can't that's hard to do when everybody has to have the same contract we see this in education with teaching and so i think ripped is a great would be a great case study for for somebody to dig in and say how can we actually solve this problem and what does it expose about about just our our media and our our politics in rhode island but i i don't think we'll get that kind of conversation yeah my thought is scott evadesian should not be running ripta uh, I, I think if people would look into the administrative costs for years, uh, it was a pipeline of Rhode Island State Troopers retire after 25 years on the job, take a month off, and then they had a six-figure job waiting for them at RIPTA. What, what is the point of having – let's just say there's 10 troopers and they're all making 100000 each. All right, that's $1 million in salaries. What, what is the point of having all these people in administration when you need drivers? How many drivers could you have if you took that one million in salary of these retired troopers who then get the new they get their state pension from being a trooper? Now they get their pay as RIPTA. Um, none of it matters if you don't have people on the front lines actually driving the buses. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, DOT is going to really come under the magnifying glass. And I think it was a mistake now for Peter Alvita to take on 
Ripto to run that. He was basically given it because they thought things were going so well at DOT, and that's clearly not the case right now. Now, um, folks, a lot of different people listen to our segment, Politics This Week, and one of the people is the Secretary of State, and uh, and I appreciate that. But I wanted to get Justin's reaction to – he did contact the program and said – this is his uh, – Greg Amore, same-day voter registration proposal. It's a constitutional question to remove the 30-day registration requirement. It gives the General Assembly the ability – to set residency requirements. It codifies the current 30-day residency requirement candidates, so it certainly sets the stage for what the General Assembly should do. There's no mention of having no residency requirement in the bill. Most same-day states have 30-day residency requirements, would be fine by me, or they'll be shorter. Um, usually two forms of proof. Uh, it's in person, not at a polling place, town hall. Many states have done it. Under the pros, the General Assembly would determine residency ID if the people of Rhode Island voted to eliminate 30-day registration, Supreme Court residency 30 days, uh, the bill does not address residency requirement. Leave it to the General Assembly. Um, um, what's your reaction to that, Justin? Well, you know, it, it's all fair enough, but I think we're, we're kind of talking at two different levels here. There's yeah. there's the practical reality of what the bill does and says, and, and I've watched the legislature and you've watched the legislature enough yeah. to know that what happens is you sell the bill on how, how safe it is, how obvious, how, how nothing's going to go wrong. And then there's the other subtext, which is what's actually going to happen when this you pass this. And I think that's where probably you and I are focused. I mean, it's just, there's a, there's a level of trust here and it's, it's just too much i mean so look you've got unlimited ballot harvesting that's a problem you've got yeah. a white house with open borders shipping yeah. illegal immigrants around the country that's a problem you've got now voter uh, you've got driver's license for illegal immigrants that are indistinguishable from other ids in a state that's a problem so you put all this together and then you say oh well the general assembly doesn't have to we're only taking a small step we're just taking this one little thing out of the constitution it's not going to be a problem well maybe <laughs> maybe not maybe it'll be a problem next year or the year after to me combined with everything else we see it's just an invitation to fraud. And then maybe some of the people pushing it right now don't see it that way. Maybe they're they're being fooled by their allies. Maybe they're, they're, they've got their, their hearts in the right place. But that's the danger. That's the risk. And I think it's a real risk. And I think at this point, don't mess with it. Clean up some of the other problems first. If you want, if you think this is a problem and the big issue, you know, I'm not hearing a lot of people out there saying, you know what, I moved to Rhode Island and I, I was here for two weeks and I wanted to vote and I couldn't. I'm not hearing this as a big problem. Solve the problems first. And I think that that's that's the big major step. I mean, if you want to solve the infrastructure problems and you want to have a good back and forth between political adversaries, uh, you need what you need to do is you need to attack the all of the little things that keep the insiders in power, and this just feels like another step to to solidify their their power, so that they can bring in people from other states, they can attract their clients, special interest clients, in the, for the government plantation, and get them to vote right away to keep these insiders in power, despite you know despite the fact that they're they're unable to run anything. And so I think it's just, it's too much. There are plenty of problems to solve. You don't have to solve, un, solve things that aren't a problem and create a whole bunch of risk. All your oil needs, make it Henry Oil. Call Henry Oil today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery call henry oil today fuel oil diesel gasoline delivery it's henry oil residential commercial fuel oil delivery since 1947 they also have budget plans service contracts lack lock and cap pricing you can depend on henry oil call them today 401-521-0200 serving most of rhode island and southeastern mass we got a long way to go with winter. Make sure that tank is filled. Call Henry Oil today, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, a local, family-run business since 1947 that you can depend on. For all your oil needs, call Henry Oil today, 401-521-0200. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. So obviously, things have taken a uh, dramatic turn now in the administration for Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee. The fact that now 
the feds, and this is not a slow, uh, quick process, that they are now looking into and investigating the Washington Bridge. So I thought the Providence Journal, Patrick Anderson, had a good piece. Questions of the Washington Bridge. What are the feds looking for? Federal investigators probing allegations, fraud, in work done over many years on the now-closed northern span of the Washington Bridge. It won't help drivers stuck on 195 traffic, but it may shed some light on how a bridge that's been ticketed for repairs nearly a decade could get in such bad shape had to be abruptly shut going back December 11th. So, what documents have been demanded? Well, in its civil investigation, they seek bridge-related records going back to, how about this, January 1st, 2015. <laughs> that was right before, that was Chafee was in office, right before Gina Raimondo was sworn in. Raimondo, now Secretary of Commerce, appointed Rhode Island DOT Director Peter Alvidi. So she direct, she uh, appointed Peter. He was uh, working for the laborers, launched an agency overhaul, bridge repair, branded Roadworks. One of the structurally deficient bridges identified for repair was the northern Washington Bridge span, carried 195 west over the Seekonk River. So the DOJ demand letter specifically seeks materials, including texts, videos, emails, photos, notes, depicting problems of areas, the main span support piers known as Pier 6 and Pier 7. You can only imagine the amount of work to even get all this information altogether, then the amount of time it would take to go through it all. Investigators want materials related to bridge beam tie-downs or tension rods plus, quote, beam seats. <clears throat> Obviously, those in construction would you know, know more about that. The tension rods hold down the beams that hold the main span when several broke, bouncing when observed by inspect inspectors triggering the shutdown. Think about that for a moment. Investigators <clears throat> asked for all images and diaries what was done at the beam seats, plus all invoices, progress reports from contractors. That's, again, a massive demand here. The investigation concerns allegations, false claims for payment for services or false statements. Support of such payments been submitted to the U.S. government. As with most big highway projects, the federal government is paying 80% of the cost of the Washington Bridge. Who are the possible targets of the investigation? Well, probe could be targeting any of the numerous contractors hired by the Rhode Island DOT, build new lanes, ramps for the bridge, repair sections, inspect the bridge, make sure everything was going as planned. Anyone who helped a contractor submit a false claim could also be targeted. Now, the DOT has until February 26th to turn over the materials. I'll be interested to see if they turn them over before that. Have they brought, have the feds brought a similar case to Rhode Island? Yes. Two years ago, Dennis Ferreira, a former employee of Bartlett Heavy Division, one of the lead contractors in the current Washington Bridge Project, pled to making false reports about fill used on the 610 connector project in Providence. In 2017, Cardi Corporation, I think you're going to be hearing a lot more about them, agreed to pay a $500,000 fine to settle claims it installed a faulty railing on the Iway I-195 bridge over the Providence River, roughly a mile west of the Washington Bridge. Who's leading the investigation? Assistant U.S. Attorney Bethany Wong. Wong was one of two attorneys who prosecuted the Ferreira 610 Connector case. What work has been done on the bridge? Again, this is from all Providence Journal. Very thorough story here, I thought. Uh, although the structural deficient Washington Bridge span was high on the road work list of projects, it's not clear if repairs to the troublesome beam sets and tender, tender, tension rods were ever planned. <clears throat> um, shoring up the span has been a part of a large larger project that includes new exit entrance ramps both sides of the river plus an extra westbound travel lane cardi was the first contractor hired to work on the bridge but the project was paused after the temporary traffic pattern used to accommodate work caused massive backups into massachusetts when the dot rebid the project cardi won again but bartlett's uh Bartletta sued 
claiming Carty had unfairly used information from its prior work to undercut other bidders. The Federal Highway Administration refused to sign off on a contract for Carty, and when the DOT went out to bid again, Bartoletta won. A news release for October 2021 groundbreaking when work resumed under a $78 million contract to Barletta's joint venture said the project will address the structural deficiencies of the westbound portion of the Washington Bridge. So there's just there's 80 million right there. A March update from DOT said workers were continuing quote bridge deck and concrete substructure repairs. Since the shutdown Alvedia said repairs to parts of the bridge at risk of collapse were not part of either the Cardi or Bartoletta contracts. That's interesting. Who's working on the Washington Bridge now? AECOM is the consultant acting as the DOT's owner representative. The firm also performed the July inspection that gave the span a glean bill of health. Barletta and Atna Bridge Company led a joint venture doing the construction on the bridge. Vanessa Hagen Bruslin is the joint venture design consultant. The engineer who first spotted the problems in the span worked for VHB. VN Engineers is doing modeling analysis of the bridge. A lot of people involved here. Michael Baker International was hired by DOT to conduct a quote in-depth inspection of the bridge. BDI is a Michael Baker Somcrack contractor monitoring for movement on the bridge. WJE is a Michael Baker subcontractor, subcontractor conducting a forensic analysis of what broke. And also, Consor is a Michael Baker subcontractor doing underwater inspections. So, folks, it, it is interesting, uh, all the different variations, and then let alone when you have these companies that have, uh, you know, these kind of, uh, subdivisions so to speak wje is actually michael baker bdi is actually michael baker consor is actually michael baker and then you have michael baker international so you have all these different groups huge amounts of money um nothing good about this nothing good about this obviously listen ultimately they have to get to the the root of what happened here someone's got to be held accountable uh, it's very, very serious, as you can imagine. And, and in the meantime, it's going to go on for a while, and they don't even have a plan how they're going to address this. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus. Call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508 252 for propane plus three generations you can always depend on propane plus for all your heating and cooling call them today 401-885-4209 three generations they're available 24 7 for service and delivery and they're going to serve you for a very long time they have a great user-friendly website you just log on at propaneplus.com and then you type in your zip code residential commercial propane plus heating and cooling always there for you give them a call today in rhode island 401-885-4209 in massachusetts 508-252-3359 the johnson family three generations heating and cooling you can always depend on propane plus you're listening to the john DePietro show tensions continue to rise at the border president biden and the governor of texas let's pick up the report from abc it's on the border in california jacqueline we heard from jay that if that bill passed president biden would shut the border down but what are you learning about the latest apprehensions as president biden and texas governor greg abbott remain locked in this bitter dispute Lindsay, we are seeing a sharp decline in total apprehensions. And the latest data shows that there are about 4,300 apprehensions per day. Compare that to last month, which had nearly 11,000 apprehensions per day, which, by the way, holds a record for the most apprehensions in a month. Border crossings have typically declined immediately after the holiday season, only to rebound around the spring. In Texas, State Attorney General Ken Paxton denying federal Border Patrol agents unrestricted access to Shelby Park, stating they will 
not allow it to turn into an unofficial port of entry. This after the state seized control of the park to arrest migrants and a Supreme Court ruling stating those federal agents can cut razor wire installed by the Texas National Guard along the Rio Grande. Now, this continues to be a years-long battle between the federal government and the state of Texas as the state continues to fly and bus thousands of migrants to democratically run cities across the country. Lindsay. Jacqueline, thank you. You know, without question, um... I'm with the governor of Texas. I mean, you have to do something. And Texas is defying the White House demands, as a matter of fact. So, but I, I love the attitude by the governor of Texas. Let me hear, um, I think I have a little more sound on this, as a matter of fact, of exactly what, uh, how Texas is handling this. Listen to this. He's this in the border city from of Eagle CBS. Pass, Texas. Camila, with senators soon set to unveil their proposed plan, how would the proposed changes affect migrants trying to actually cross the border? Ed, it would be a dramatic policy change for anyone trying to get across. The president would have the authority to effectively shut down asylum processing here at the U.S.-Mexico border when there's a spike in illegal crossings. Migrants would be quickly expelled back to Mexico across the Rio Grande. It would also make asylum interviews harder to pass and increase deportations, something lawmakers hope will deter migrants from coming to the U.S. While Congress considers these changes, the state of Texas and the Biden administration are involved in an extraordinary legal showdown. Here in Eagle Pass, the Texas National Guard is defying demands to allow federal agents into a public park, fortifying a former Border Patrol staging area for migrants with razor wire. Texas says it needs to block access to deter illegal crossings, and more than two dozen Republican governors have supported the state's actions. But the Biden administration says Texas is blocking Border Patrol from doing its job. And Ed, immigration enforcement, after all, is a federal responsibility. Camila Montoya Galvez on the border tonight. Thank you. You know, again, something that I don't understand is I don't understand why this is a story everywhere, but the Rhode Island Republican Party just won't pick it up. I don't have an answer for you on that. I, I don't understand. Um, the battle over the border, the battle of illegal immigration Essentially, everywhere in the country, immigration in the border is a major story and a voting issue, as a matter of fact. For whatever reason, you just don't hear the Rhode Island Republican Party. I, I don't have an answer, folks. I don't. I think, it is a, I think it's a major story. And what's going on at Logan Airport, as a matter of fact, is even a major story. For instance, you know, people are picking up what's going on at logan airport listen to this from this from nbc of migrants are sheltering inside boston's logan airport <laughs> families many with young kids sleeping on blankets pillows and benches in the airport's terminal e as massachusetts becomes the latest pain point in the nation's ongoing migrant crisis struggling to find shelter for their growing migrant population now more than 3500 families now i'm proud of the way massachusetts stepped up with compassion and solutions for the influx of migrants that's testing states all around this country do you think that there's enough support in place to help newly arrived families kind of navigate the system as it exists? There is a shortage in immigration legal services and a, a shortage in, in people who are able to help, but, and, you know, more funding is needed. With eight sanctuary cities across Massachusetts, it's put a strain on statewide resources. Governor Maura Healey calling on the federal government to step up. While Massachusetts did not create this problem, we're going to continue to demand that Congress take action to fix the border to get us funding. Alongside nine Democratic governors, she signed a letter to Congress demanding, quote, Washington to work together to solve what has become a humanitarian crisis. Adding, states and cities cannot indefinitely respond to the subsequent strain on state and local resources without congressional action. Chicago's O'Hare Airport facing a similar scene. Over 200 migrants still sleeping there as they await their housing placements. In Massachusetts, the existing shelter systems can house a maximum of 7,500 families, a 
limit they reached in November. The resources that we have, we no longer have them, so it's been very close to impossible for us to continue to house them. According to the governor's office, 600 families are on the wait list for shelter. Instead, staying at the airport, local churches, or overflow temporary shelters. Massachusetts launched a clinic in the fall to help thousands of migrants staying in the Commonwealth apply for work authorization in the United States. You know, if people are working, we're going to have people exiting from shelter that much quicker. The latest effort to ease the stress on what's become a persistent issue. Okay, more Barrett joins us now live in studio. It, um, as I mentioned, I, I, I don't have an answer. I get asked this all the time. I have no idea why Rhode Island Republican officials don't make this more of an issue. As a matter of fact, it's not even discussed. It's not talked about at the Rhode Island State House. It's a story everywhere <laughs> except here. Let me just hear this back and forth with um, the anchor and then the reporter who was there. I, I want to go back to those families in Boston. Do we know how they're doing tonight? Well, Tom, it's our understanding that until they can get into those emergency assistance shelters, they'll continue to sleep there, and there's that massive wait list. Now, I've reported on the migrant issue in Chicago, uh, but the thing that's unique about Boston and Massachusetts specifically is that they were already facing this massive housing crisis that came before the migrant crisis. So that's just an additive issue, and it's such a big deal that the governor is asking to dip into their surplus funds using $700 million of it to help with the shelter system. Yeah, I mean, think about that. That makes no sense at all. 700 million you're going to spend all that money for people who i don't care what anyone says they're not supposed to be here but i want to repeat what i said earlier i wish i had an answer for you why don't rhode island republican leaders make it more of an issue how is it possible that the quote whatever you want to say migrants they're illegals how would it be possible it's an issue everywhere except for here I don't buy it. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. When it comes to insurance, you need a neighbor, a partner, and friend. You need Shoppa Insurance Agency. They're located right on Reservoir Avenue in Cranston. Call today. Free consultation. 401-900-INSU. 401-900-4678. Shoppa Insurance SIA, Stephen, very experienced, whether it's auto, home, renters, business insurance, flood, recreational, umbrella, any other protection for your assets, Rhode Island of Massachusetts, Shoppa Insurance Agency, your agency of choice. Call today, set up a meeting. They're so knowledgeable, can have everything under one roof. Call Shoppa Insurance today, 401 900 I-N-S-U or 401-900-4678. Look for them on Facebook. Again, located Reservoir Avenue in Cranston. Shoppa Insurance Agency. Your neighbor, your partner, your friend. One-stop insurance solutions. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, lunch dinner drinks in the lounge especially this time of year so much going on they always have a nice crowd right there full bar large dining area right there in the lounge easy to get to whether it's lunch or dinner a great meal is waiting for you at the lodge pub and eatery think of this since 1994 that's right celebrating the big anniversary this year i'll see you at the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in Lincoln. Check out tepetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com, all our links to social media, exclusive stories and videos waiting for you at tepetro.com.